Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates, stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise now. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA is available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. In the wake of Penn State routing Iowa at home, they now go back on the road for another Big Ten matchup. The final game before Penn State's bye week will be played at Northwestern this Saturday at noon Eastern, live on the Big Ten Network in Evanston, Illinois. Plenty of fabulous memories for you, Justin, in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, These games always make me a little bit nervous, but Given what Penn State did this past weekend in Iowa, getting to watch back the tape thoroughly, I personally feel very confident. Uh, Thank you to everybody tuning in. Like, comment, subscribe, rate us. Big thank you once again to Zach Kaplan for filling in for me this past weekend. Uh, Just one more opportunity to look back on Iowa, Justin. What are some of your final thoughts after that victory? Because it was dominant. It was dominant. I mean, it felt like a heavyweight wrestling match where Penn State was just like a physically dominating team and made them tap out throughout the game. It was a nice win and a different, again, like a toughness identity from the squad that I think is a little a little different than we've seen in the previous years. Even that talk when we talk about punching it in in the red zone and certain touchdowns were coming out with six points instead of three to win a 31 nothing against a very solid Iowa football team. So, I mean, the offense being adaptable, having a, a different attack, uh, different attack options, whether it's the run game, tight ends, big play receivers, obviously the quarterback can play within an, an efficient style of play where he's protecting the football. That's the that's the most beautiful thing, the turnover margin. And then the defense, man, they're fast. They play fast. They 
they make they make turnovers they're opportunistic with um their their play and obviously with an aggressive play style for manny diaz you feel really really good about where penn state is coming off of the iowa game and going into um evanston and playing northwestern i mean especially with them coming off a good game up there as well i continue to be astonished that drew aller has yet to throw an interception as a penn state nittany lion granted four games as a starter but still, you know, a full year with the team playing sparingly last year and now four games as a starter, no turnovers. And then altogether this season, the Penn State offense also has no turnovers. It's not going to last. <laughs> there will be a moment where that changes. But so far during the season, it's just astonishing. And it was great to see the improvement from the Illinois game where you were able to get turnovers from the defense. You got some points out of the offense, not a ton of points. You left points on the field. And then this game against Iowa, yes, there were situations where I, I kind of chalked them up to the weather to a degree, some missed kicks here and there, but the offense just took what Iowa gave them. And I thought you articulated it perfectly in the lead up to the Iowa game is that they are going to be perfect for 20 straight plays and it's just that one mistake here and there you got to take advantage of and that's exactly what penn state did it was adaptable it was dink and dunk there weren't a ton of explosives but you still got four touchdown passes out of drew aller the tight ends look spectacular and the defense was saying hey we're not going to get beat deep we're not going to get beat on explosives and penn state is just like great we're going to run the ball a commitment to running the football and then working underneath the coverage it was just Fantastic. I don't know how else to put it. 31 nothing. I mean, the results speak for themselves. It was great. And for me, Justin, I'm curious what you thought about it in the Iowa game. I was very happy to see by probably about midway through the second quarter and on, you saw Penn State having much more success running between the tackles than they have all season. Do you agree with that? I definitely agree. I think there's kudos to the offensive line, Coach Trotwine, Trotwine up there, and really opening up those gaps. I mean, they got two talented running backs, but when you establish the run game, especially against a team like Iowa, it opens up it opens up the defense for someone like Drew to be able to pick his poison. And I have to give kudos to Coach Yursich from the standpoint of just play management and pocket management from like the play calls and th different things that he puts in Drew's hands. Because I mean, just as if just as on the other side or another opportunity, if he was a, a high volume type of offensive coordinator and put him in situations where Drew would be throwing a lot more contested balls and different things like that down the, down the field, he hasn't done that. So like even within the play call that we were seeing and we just talk about how they convert on third down a lot of times is is different. And like the dichotomy and play calling on those money downs is something that you can credit to the offensive coordinator and obviously the conductor and Drew Aller, um, you know, leading the charge. Aller was poised. I liked the way that when he got ticked off, it was for the right reason. He he doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. If he was ticked off about something, it was either he was mad at himself because he was so close to something or somebody messed up and they have to be better. So I like that people are being held accountable. Now you go into this game at Northwestern right before a bye week. In your experience, where is it more likely to see lulls? Is it the game right before a bye week or after a bye week? I would say after because football is a rhythmic game. And if you get used to, you know, just playing a game, your your weekly routine and all that good stuff, it, it, it pretty 
you should feel up for your game. You're actually more excited because you're going into a bye week. So like you think about, okay, we can go full throttle, go up. I mean, always go 110% in a football game. Right. But you think that like there's another week to rest up afterwards. So like you're mentally thinking we can lay it all out here and see where the chips fall. So I definitely think post bye week is more of a law or just a red caution, uh, yellow caution life for the team. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks at Northwestern by week home against UMass odd to have a low level opponent like that in October. So that's going to be interesting. And then you go on the road to Columbus to face the Ohio state Buckeyes who are currently undefeated. But before we get ahead of ourselves, let's talk about Northwestern. You and I are talking about this before we started recording. This is a inconsistent football team. Now everybody probably is aware of the, circumstance they had longtime head coach Pat Pat Fitzgerald fired this offseason under controversy David Braun taking over Uh, David Braun was an FCS defensive coordinator last season and now he is uh, coached for FBS teams as a head coach so you can understand that there are changes going on with this Northwestern Wildcats football team it may not necessarily be exactly as you remember it I think you're probably still going to see a lot of things out of this team in terms of identity, being disciplined altogether. Uh, I like to use the phrase, Northwestern drags you down to their level. They're not going to have better athletes than Penn State across the board, but they're smart. They're disciplined. They don't make too many mistakes, usually. However, Justin, this season, they open up the year at Rutgers, losing 24-7. to They come home. They beat UTEP 38-7. to They go on the road to Duke, who was number 21 at the time. They lose 38-14 to Riley Leonard and company. Really no shame there, in my opinion. And then last week, this is the one that was kind of a head-scratcher. They beat Minnesota at home in overtime, 37-34, and had to mount a 21-point comeback in regulation in order to do it. What is this Northwestern football team? I mean, you you really don't know, like you said, a two and two team, and like, but they really passed the ball uh, a significant amount last week versus your typical Northwestern teams. You know, you talk about the Vera option and different uh, things like that, but and a receiver going for two hundred yards. I want to say the quarterback threw Ben Bryant threw back nearly at four hundred yards passing and four that's, touchdowns. That's different for a Northwestern football team. So I'm actually pretty interested to see what that looks like. And again. My biggest fear, not really going into the bye week, but it's playing 11 a.m. games central time. So just making mm-hmm. sure that this game doesn't become close or there's any type of rain or precipitation before the game to make the slow the, uh, field a little slower out there. But you're 100% right where Northwestern is one of those teams where you have to come out and put it on them pretty early. Uh, coming back to the quarterback, Ben Bryant. Uh, this is his sixth year of college football, which Penn State fans are pretty accustomed to quarterbacks who've done that. Uh, he spent four total seasons at Cincinnati, three consecutive from 2018 to 2020, transferred to Eastern Michigan, then back to Cincinnati, and now he's at Northwestern to wrap things up. Uh, so far this season, he's got about 60% completion percentage, uh, six touchdowns, three interceptions. He can contribute a little bit in the running game, but to your point, Last week uh, in the comeback win, and I want to emphasize that. I, I think that's an I think that's an important thing. Is that altogether you're back? So he was thirty three of forty nine to ultimately win that game, and it's like okay, that's a necessity. 
but that's not necessarily the common identity. Like I'm trying to think of quarterbacks from Northwestern that have been capable putting up those sort of numbers. And one's Mike Kafka and the other might be the soon to be starting quarterback for the New York jets, Trevor Simeon. And it's like, that's the ceiling really. It's kind of strange. That really is it. I mean, it's just the new age of college football, just the transfer portal, just looking at college games across the country, how many key players are from other teams previously. I mean, Penn State is one of the few anomalies out there where the, the majority of their team makeup or just the roster construction is built through recruiting. And there's a, a, a player here like McLean or Chop Robinson, but essentially these guys are brought in through the recruiting phase. And so it's really interesting not knowing what the team makeup is going to look like moving forward. I know there's a, a common theme going around now in college football culture doesn't matter anymore. You just have to put out players and win your matchups. I'm not sure if I, I believe that, um, but I think the parity that we're seeing across the board is a little interesting and we don't know what we're facing up against. I mean, like even going into the first game, West Virginia was supposed to be a terrible team. As the season pr- progresses, they're three and one football team and they look pretty good you know what i mean and so each week it's you have to take almost like a nfl approach for any given saturday you gotta come ready to play coming back to ben bryant you know he's been inconsistent this season as well you know the entire team it's too early in the season to really know what this team is they will probably hover somewhere around 500 and probably land under that that's just to be realistic and not to be uh, too uh, too negative about this team, but it's just being realistic. Against Rutgers, 55% completion percentage, uh, two interceptions, and sacked five times. Then against UTEP, I mean, it, it's UTEP, 64% completion percentage was only 11 of 17 for 116 yards, but a touchdown, and he was efficient in what he was asked to do, and they got the job done on the ground. Against Duke, 17 of 34, 50% completion percentage, a touchdown and a pick, was sacked once. And then even against Minnesota, you know, you get sacked twice, but still like 400 yards passing, 67% completion percentage. It's uh, it's it's a little out of character for him, considering for his career, he's a 64% completion percentage guy. So it's like, yeah, to see that uptick in overall attempts, yardage, scoring, like this is it's weird because I think this Minnesota game was a product of Minnesota falling asleep in the second half. Minnesota was averaging seven and a half yards per carry in the first half against Northwestern and watching the tape, Justin, the way this Northwestern offense operated against Minnesota. And as they have much of the season is virtually identical to what Penn state just did against Iowa. They're going to spread you out a little bit. They can run between the tackles. Cam Porter is about 6'2", 220 pounds. He is a load. But outside of that, there's the wide receiver, Kurtz, who, as you mentioned, had a great game uh, against Minnesota. There's no one on this wide receiver core that should scare anybody in lockdown you. What do you think? I completely agree. From a personnel standpoint, Penn State definitely gets the edge. And it just – but, like, it comes out – on any given Saturday, they have to come out and make the plays. And that's putting them in favorable positions to where they get up early on this team to where they start passing the ball, passing the ball. Because I don't think Northwestern's run game is going to be as efficient as some of the previous teams that we've played or we're going to see in the future. Agreed. But with that being said, once we, I think you make them a one-dimensional team where they have to put the ball in the air, 
I think that's when it starts to get lopsided. You see it from the past, Russell Trump Robinson and Disa Isaac, um, Dennis Denasset, and even you're seeing more pressure and just movement from uh, Zane Durant in the middle and just the defensive tackles in the in the run game and in the pass game. But making sure we get them to that one-dimensional type of offense where they're looking to pass the football because I don't think they match up well against Penn State. And then I think that's when we start seeing the opportunistic defense from Penn State really start to shine. The, the big thing for me, again, I come back to the stat I just said, seven and a half yards per carry for Darius Taylor, the new starting running back for the Minnesota Golden Gophers against Northwestern in the first half. The way Penn State ran the ball against Iowa, here, here's, here's my thought, Justin, is that I don't necessarily know week to week which version of Penn State you're really going to get because they are so adaptable. And that's not a I don't know because I'm worried. It's an I don't know because they'll just kind of get out there and kind of see what the defense gives them and they will take accordingly. Flavor of the week. Those are some of the hardest offensive coordinators to game plan against because they're going to change their offense based on what you're giving to them on the defensive side, right? I mean, the Shanahan's are famous for it. I mean, even in the past, where it's just like get into your different concepts from similar looks or ones that put you in the best position to have matchup or mismatches against the against the defense. And when we're talking about across the board against Penn State versus Northwestern, I think uh, Mike is going to have a field day drawing up some offensive attacks against this defense. Now, I know there's some people who would say, well, you know, against Iowa, you know, it was 3.7 yards per carry. Uh, yeah, but the fact that you got Katron 21 for 72, Singleton 17 for 49, you know, that that's a really solid day for those two guys and also getting involved in a substantial way in the passing game. Penn State, again, we talked about it earlier, was very content against Iowa. You're going to give us the underneath? Great. We are going to kill you with the tight ends, with the wide receivers, and then we are going to really mess up your zone coverage with crossing routes. And it's really where they made their money against Iowa. It just makes me feel like watching the, like, the tape of this Minnesota game and some of the other games that Northwestern has played this year, I, I could see it going a couple ways. I could see, one, the explosives being there for Penn State, and that's either being in the passing game or in the running game. I, I kind of expect Drew Hour to have a couple of bombs that work out for him because this is a secondary that, while for the most part they're disciplined, they gave up some touchdowns to Minnesota, and they've given up scores throughout the season where it's kind of like, how did that guy get so wide open? So some busted coverages altogether. So you could potentially see that. Uh, we don't know if we're going to have Harrison Wallace back for the game against Northwestern, but Keandre Lambert-Smith, Dante Cephas, Liam Clifford all looked sharp in the game against Iowa. So, But the, the wide receivers weren't even the focus of the offense, Justin. It was tight end city for most of the game. And personally, I, I loved it because there's a size mismatch and a spacing mismatch just about every time Penn State goes out there. We think of the core of defense of Iowa just when getting the tight ends involved. We talked about it earlier with the play action pass being incorporated with it, the strong run game because who you're starting to toy with, right? You're toying with the linebackers. So we even we talk about the levels concept and splitting the difference and how you want to attack them. You got to think of an offensive coordinator trying to attack different areas on the field and at the same time players. And so with the linebackers being essentially the core of Iowa's defense, it makes sense on how they were able to just establish a run. Establish a run, like you said, only 3.8 yards a carry, but establishing it in a chess master, we're like, okay, I'm doing the run, this run, run, run to get my tight ends involved and getting a little spacing behind them. And that's what we've seen getting them 
involving another dynamic that teams are going to have to prepare for. And with that, I think you start to see a little lighter boxes moving forward going against the run game because whether you have to split out, you start to see in the tight ends using different multiple uh, multiple personnel um, situations, 11 personnel and things like that, where we have, you know, two tight ends, we're splitting them out and making sure causing mismatches. I expect this to be vastly different than what we saw last season at home against Northwestern, I believe the first weekend of October, 17 to seven win at home in the rain, a nasty day altogether. Sean Clifford and company struggled immensely to get anything going offensively. This is a defense for Northwestern that, yes, as I mentioned, they're, they're, they are not going to be the better athletes on the field, but they're smart. They will be in the right position more times than not. I think you're going to see uh, a defensive style similar to how Iowa played. Just a tick down, if that makes any sense. And Penn State really had their way with this Iowa defense. Iowa, to their credit, prevented the big play. But still, I really expect this to be a successful day for Penn State. No, by the way, as as of right now, the weather forecast in Evanston, uh, low of 60, high of 75, and sunny, not a cloud in the sky. And you've made trips to Northwestern where it's just miserable to play there, whether it's the weather, whether it's, you know, I think I remember you saying back in, was it in 05? You were like, there were hardly any fans in the stands. You're kind of like, it's, it's 11 a.m. You're like, what's going on here? You know, I didn't know if the game was canceled or what, but just to correct myself, 12 personnel, one one running back, two tight ends. So just getting, getting the linebacker spread out. But yeah, when we get there, especially after playing in a whiteout game, when people have been camping out, since Wednesday evening, you get to Illinois or Chicago, and it's 10 hour, 10, two hours before the game, no one's in sight. It might be 15 people in the stands. Yeah. <laughs> it's <your it's>, <laughs> Penn State. Family. Yeah, the family that made this threat. We appreciate you, Mom and Dad. Uh, flipping things to the defensive side of the ball for Penn State, four fumbles recovered against Iowa. You and Zach talked about it on the recap show for the game against Iowa is the time of possession was just drastically in the favor of Penn State, nearly three to one. And also the number of plays uh, nearly four to one. Like It was just absurd. Do you expect something similar out of Northwestern? In terms of their offensive attack? Yeah, just in terms of that disparity in terms of Penn State being able to just control time of possession and control the football that much. I think it all comes down to stopping the run. I mean, it, I mean, it's indicative of if you can run the football, the clock continues to churn out, and you continue to control the the the, the clock or just the time of possession throughout the game, and there's just a play count. So, I mean, in, in the in the perfect world, you stop the stop the run and you get them to pass the ball, and I think that's where you start to see explosive plays on defense. So, from my standpoint. I think that's what we would anticipate with Penn State, but they have to come out on fire because at an 11 o'clock start, just it's just a. I mean, I'm telling you, the, the juices just flow a little bit different when you're, you're out there warming up at 10 a.m. versus one o'clock or again coming off of a night game like a, a whiteout. Penn State fans, Smack Apparel has the best gear for talking smack on game day. Head to smackapparel.com today and check out their Let There Be White Tea. Also, there's Drink Up, Roar On, 
Saturdays we are, and you can still get a Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. If you're watching this on YouTube, scan the QR code on the screen to take you to the website instantly on your phone. Visit smackapparel.com and use our promo code STATE10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-T-A-T-E-1-0. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10 at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels, pomades, and now body washes. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com and use our promo code STATE20. That's S-T-A-T-E-2-0 at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. I expect that to be different. And it's hard to go off the Iowa game and be like, man, what can they do better? Because it was kind of like you watched it and you're like, I have no notes. <laughs> Pass rush was there. The depth was there. The ability to stop the running game. I, I saw some people uh, pointing to the fact that it's like, well, they had their top two running backs out of the game. That that honestly wasn't the problem for Iowa. They have a very deep running back room. Sean Williams is talented. Uh, their offensive line appears to be the worst it's been in years, which is astonishing. Uh, but if, if anything, what can the defense do better? Uh, I mean, I always say just create turnovers from the ball. And, I mean, say the ball in the air, but like mm-hmm. interceptions, right? And then, I, cause I, again, I think they were continuing to play with speed and the pass rush continues to come along week by week. So I think continue to pick up the pass rush where it's just disruption at all times. Like, so if anytime Northwestern goes back to in a passing down, they should, there should feel pressure. There should be, there shouldn't be any clean pockets for them to, uh, to throw from so like with that making that step up in that elite defensive category i think is i mean i say that after a 31 nothing shutout but that's what that's what you would like to like to continue to see from penn state's defense yeah and, and again is it going to happen every single game no will penn state's offense eventually commit a turnover yes like all these things are going to change but right now penn state is just riding high four and oh number six in the country things feel very very good and just even this brief glimpse, Justin, into what the Big Ten West is, I have no fear of the Big Ten West remotely. No, I think with the two guys on the schedule are the same two guys that we've been looking at throughout this year and Ohio State and Michigan. I mean, it comes down to the, to the year where I think just from a personnel standpoint, looking across the board, there's I don't think there's any excuse, excuses to not win both of those games from a personnel standpoint. Obviously, again, they get their own scholarship. They get paid the coach as well. But it's we have the talent to match up with them across the board, up front and on the perimeter. And Ohio State, I think, gained some confidence and some momentum having defeated Notre Dame in the fashion that they did and just eking out a win on the road like that. And eking, I guess, is not the way to put it. I'd, I'd, say, <laughs> I'd say they fought. They really did, like getting to watch back that game. And, yeah, there were some mistakes by Notre Dame in terms of you know, personnel in the field very late in the game overall that Ohio State took advantage of. But you know, how does that. that happen? I don't know how that happens. I know someone's getting cussed out in the coaching room in the, in the film review on Sunday because just to have 10 players on the field on two separate occasions, I mean, that's basic arithmetic type stuff. Whereas 
But, you know, you get new coaching staff. I mean, shout out to, I don't know if it's the linebackers, my man James Larry Nice and those guys up there at Notre mm. Dame. Got to clean that up. But because that's one that you let slip away. I mean, I, I, that's one that you want to have a W at home. But at the same time, it's good to, I think, see Ohio State both being undefeated. And especially, you know, I've said it before, I genuinely think this is a race to October 21st in Columbus between Penn State quarterback Drew Aller and Ohio State quarterback Kyle McCord. He has not necessarily inspired a ton of confidence in Ohio State fans in his first four starts against Indiana on the road to open up the season, 60% completion percentage, no touchdowns and a pick, then assumed victories against Youngstown State and Western Kentucky at home where he gets six touchdowns between those two games and he gets his completion percentage to 70 and 82% respectively. And then he comes back down to earth against a Notre Dame defense that is solid, physical, uh, number nine in the country at the time, 56% completion percentage, no touchdowns, no interceptions. To me, this is Aller and McCord, who gets October 21st and who's more advanced. Right now, it is, we're biased, it is a very easy decision to say that Drew Auer is having far more success than Kyle McCord. And I would argue that some of the offensive weapons that Ohio State has are better than Penn State's. I would agree. And when you talk about it from the quarterback stance, even if even with us being biased, I think it's really hard to argue against what Drew Auer has done in his first year as a starting quarterback for Penn State, especially from just controlling um, – the time of possession and just controlling the turnover margin from a starting quarterback with an elite arm. Those are the major red flags that you want to avoid. And especially having a defense that can back you up on the other side, give you extra turnovers, timely um, turnover on downs type of, type of talent over there. I mean, I would, I would roll with drew as well, but like you said, Ohio State is historically has playmakers on the outside where you have to keep it under control. I was actually in Columbus the year where the comeback happened in the in the fourth quarter after Saquon took the opening kickoff. And there's something about playing up there where those guys play with a lot of confidence and they're the moment's never too big for them. So you really have to put them away. And I think that's just a killer instinct that this team is continuing to develop to de develop. And with that being said, this is an extremely young team as well. We're talking about two sophomore running backs. We're talking about a sophomore quarterback, the guys on defense, even until you move up, we see the depth being uh, built with like King Mac and those type of guys coming into the secondary. And it, it's the future is bright, but at the same time, there's depth to be able to, that can play and make an impact now. And with that, being said, uh, I keep hanging our hats on the, the progression. That's just the projection of Penn State's offense and defense moving forward. I don't want to completely overlook Northwestern. Like I said, there have been games, seasons, so many that I can remember, and you as well, where it's like, we should kill these guys. We got way more talent than them, and you know what I mean. <laughs> but, like, you just never know with this team, and it's almost like I, I watched the Iowa game, and I saw the way Penn State's offensive line made a dedication to be violent and impose their will and just move forward, especially in the running game. Pass protection was very, very good. Drew had all day to throw most of the day. But the running game especially, I love what the interior of this offensive line is. I think you know exactly what Olufoshano is going to give you. 
but to see how Shelton, uh, I'm sorry, JB Nelson, Drew Shelton as well getting in there, but JB Nelson, Hunter Norzad, and Sal Wormley being dedicated to mauling people on the inside. For me, it inspires confidence for November when you host Michigan. What do you feel? I mean, I, I completely agree. It's a, it's a mentality type of position. When you talk about those interior linemen, even from the recruiting stance, that's the first thing you want to see when you turn on a guard, a guard center type of tape is just a mean streak on film. And when they can possess that at the college level, have the size and backing behind it, and you have anchors on the outside like Olu, he put on an offensive tackle pass, uh, pass pro clinic last week. And I mean, from just the dancing bare feet to sitting down, taking bull rushes, the whole nine. But back to that interior uh, defense, I mean, that's the tone setter, right? Those are those third and twos. Those are third and ones to where you feel confident to be able to run the ball and start crack, creasing those defenses late in the games. And like you said, leading up to a Michigan type of team, you have to punch the quote unquote, the bully in the mouth. Cause like they play a, a form of bully ball and people don't typically approach them that way because of how their team is constructed, but having that mentality developed and just that, that competitive stamina in the run game on the defense and offensive front, I think that's critical for this team against Michigan and Ohio state, but also looking at the national landscape, getting into the playoffs and playing a team like a Georgia or a, a I mean, I'm trying to think who else is out there right now, but someone like a Georgia who I can think right now would be <laughs> in there. Florida State as well. Um, I was just thinking of those up front, like, but Florida State is doing a great job at up front there, bringing guys in as well. But yeah, it's it's critical in the fundamentals of having a championship level football team. If you're the Northwestern offense, what's your plan of attack versus Penn State? On defense. Uh, if you're the Northwestern offense, offense. Oh, okay. If I'm on Northwestern's offense, I got to get movement. Got to get guys moving around the way that Penn State runs their defenses, and whether it's weak side blitzes or bringing pressures, I would try to get my quarterback on the move to try to find creases in the in the secondary from that standpoint. Because I don't know if we'll be able to run the ball just straight at them. I just think from an athletic standpoint and a length standpoint, Penn State just wins that matchup significantly so to be able to again move the pocket get the quarterback out on the on the on the perimeters and running the levels concept again against penn state i mean and just seeing how they play against the different sides of the blitz coming from uh like a manny diaz type of defense i think that's the best way to attack them when you come off of a game like this against iowa dominating win at home Fabulous environment. Second largest crowd, by the way, in the history of Beaver Stadium. Like some records are being set this year. Second and fourth largest crowds already and seasonally four games old. Uh, how how difficult is it to ebb and flow in practice from a team with the identity of Iowa versus a team with Northwestern's identity, specifically from your vantage point when you're on the defensive side of the ball? Because these are different offenses. They are different, but at the same time, I think it's a similar approach, right? I mean, I, I don't think, again, when you're when you have the personnel matchup in your favor, 
it's more so just playing sound football and like playing within your responsibilities and being where you're supposed to be and making the plays that come to you. Because when you go into these type of games, you know that they're going to have opportunities to flip the field, have opportunities to get off of the field. You just have to do that on a consistent basis throughout the game and not have busted coverages and winning without exotic blitzes as well. So like just playing straight up, base coverages and getting pressure from that creating turnovers from that and from there i mean you have an offense to kind of level out the playing field but that's what you would like to see one thing uh, watching back the tape i think it's really interesting how the season goes on we almost never hear kalen king's name mentioned <laughs> and that's not a bad thing by the way if you're a defensive back i rarely hear him mentioned on a broadcast or see him in the play and that's again that's no knock against him for what he's doing like when he gets involved he gets involved but you're seeing johnny dixon get involved in the blitzing uh packages you're seeing him get involved in pass protection breaking up passes making tackles in open space johnny's been outstanding the safeties have also been really really good but kalen kind of like a ghost in the best way possible what have you seen out of kalen king and the rest of the secondary i mean you have been playing at a high level, and and like you said, that shut down moniker that happens when a corner doesn't get that much action on their side of the field. It's tricky because, like you said, a lot of times in high school where players are like, "Hey, no one's throwing me the ball. I'm, I was shut down corner." I'm like, I don't know. In high school, you gotta make a play somewhere. I don't care. You can't hide. There's no you such thing as a defensive tape. Yeah, you put something on tape, right? But in college, they are game planning and throwing the ball away from him. And like you said, every time that there's an opportunity for him to get involved in a play, you can tell that he's right there and eager to get there. He's a pretty, he's a very physical player. And just even watching from some of the clips that I see on television, you see he's co he's covering well. And why would I throw at the, one of the top corners in the country um, as well? And like, we're seeing the depth being built in the back end uh, from the, from the safeties and Johnny, we see Daquan Hardy coming back through, like I said, I mentioned King Mack, um, Elliot Washington, and uh, Kevin Winston. Like these Jaylen guys, Reed, AJ, yeah, Jalen, everybody. Like they're 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 playing good football. And where you you haven't seen many busted coverages. Like you haven't seen guys just running open. Everything seems to be contested. And when you have that, and like creating that competitive nature on the back end, have opportunities and create turnovers for the offense and other possessions. It was interesting how I think you could say like the first two games of the season. You know, I get, well, I take that back. The, the West Virginia game, the pass rush was a little absent. Second game of the season against Delaware, it bowed up and, and you saw what Penn State could be. And it again, it's Delaware. But then you see the game against Illinois. Luke Altmeyer was thrashed. And then Cade McNamara gets it even worse than Altmeyer did. And they were talking about it on the CBS broadcast. They were like, there are six dudes that they can get in and will create a pass rush, a defensive end. And I don't even think that's necessarily giving enough love to what the defensive tackles have done. Akeem Beeman was living in the backfield for most of the game against Iowa. But still, the fact that you can trot out Chop Robinson, Adisa Isaac, deny Dennis Sutton, um, Amin Vanover, Zariah Fisher, like it's just stupid the, <laughs> the amount of talent that they're putting out there. 
I, I don't know necessarily how Northwestern combats that. They did just send an offensive tackle in the first round of the draft last year. So, yeah, they're probably mending that situation and moving forward with the guys they have. But, like, is this – is the, does Penn State have the best pass rush in the country, in your opinion? Ooh, I don't know if we've seen enough to call them the best pass rush – pass rushing group in the country. Fair. But I think they have the depth and talent that can take over games. I think when you look at a, a pass rush up front, I always judge it based on how can they close out close out football games. You know, like Mayor Mary come out the back, like, hey, bring in the closer. That's what you need from that that front, that front seven or that front group of defensive linemen. And I think as we continue to see the the games get into situations where, hey, we need to stop here and it's like a passing only situation and they fully take over the game. I think that's when we can start crowning them or looking at them as being uh, the best group. But when you see the depth and the talent and just the uh, the dichotomy of blitzes that come with the defense alignment and the secondary, yeah, the pass rush, it has, it has the makings to be a critical factor to the success of this team. The one thing that I love that they did is that even if they couldn't get to the quarterback and bring him down, it was – just making the the life of Cade McNamara and then Deacon Hill, uh, backup quarterback, making their lives very very difficult. But even the second their arm went back, somebody's reaching out. The, the you mentioned closing out games, the way Vanover got to the ball and Zariah Fisher got the fumble there in the fourth quarter. That's closing out a game, and it's you don't necessarily need to kill the guy. I mean, Cade McNamara got beat up, and we talked about the injury that he had to his right quad, and he just physically could not move around the way he wanted. Uh, injured his hand it looked like his throwing hand early on in the game Penn State just made it difficult for him to complete the mechanics of a throw right <laughs> I've said it before I'm, I'm a big sacks are overrated guy like if from my standpoint like as a DB I'm like man just put pressure on him force bad decisions and let's create opportunities and new possessions for the offense and like you said, it's a like the game of football. There's there's a game within the box score where you see the stats, the hurries, the pressures, and all that. And then there's a game outside of that, and that's the mental game of that people have to be concerned with when they're lining up. Like when you're going against a receiver, even if he hasn't caught a lot of balls or passes against you, if he's extremely fast, there's a there's another thought that you have to deal with. Like if you're playing an extremely physical team and they lean on their physicality and you know that that's a part of the game. You have to understand that. So when I'm saying that like a, a pass rush where the quarterback is constantly thinking like, where's this rush coming from? Where's the blitz coming from? Oh, it's just rushing forward. Like just extra at split second game of football, a game is a game. The game of football is a game of inches, right? So inches and seconds at the end of the day. And you want to, prolong the quarterback to hold the ball just a one pat one pat and just having something to think about and that's what defensive linemen create like we've seen it in the past where uh was the quarterback's like man i'm seeing ghosts out here like mm. that's what you that's what you want to create but that's only from flashing and getting close and causing turnovers at the end of the day to your point, there were fronts that Manny Diaz was putting in front of Cade McNamara where there are like seven guys at the line of scrimmage. And these not all defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties, corners. And then you just never knew who was going to back off into coverage. Like I saw Deza Isaac drop into a 10-yard 
flat zone coverage one time and no part of me necessarily coming into the game was like man you'll probably see a decent out in the flat you know he's he's nimble he's athletic he can do it but i was like huh that's that's different <laughs> so that's a brooklyn basketball player right there man mm -hmm. so when you think about that in athleticism like those are the type of things that has a quarterback thinking so when i think of a pass rush i'm thinking blitzing dbs they're sending corners they're sending nickels they're sending cross dog blitzes with their linebackers and they all have the ability to blitz like we even talked about um abdul carter as another blitzing body and it's just when you have that you just have to have success early and get close to that and that really changes the dynamic of how offensive coordinators call it their, their plays and how the decision making from the back end operates. And then when you want to get the front, the line confused based on different stunts that ever come in or overload blitzes, who's coming out. And I mean, the sky's the limit. And you have that ability when you when you have the personnel that Penn State does and an aggressive play calling defensive coordinator like Manny Diaz. Number six, Penn State on the road against Northwestern this Saturday. One more Big Ten game before their bye week. Coming off of this destruction of Iowa at home, what would be your message to the team to take care of business this weekend? We have a bye week coming up, but we, so let's make sure we get out of here and take care of business. Let's leave it all on the field. Let's correct our mistakes from last week and continue to get better each week, 2% better each week, and let's go into it with a 1-0 mentality and get out of here right by the fourth quarter. I think it might be a little earlier than that. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us. Uh, hop in the comments section again, like, comment, subscribe, rate us. Let us know what you guys think about the Iowa game. Let us know what you think about this upcoming Northwestern game. Can understand, yeah, historically Northwestern can give Penn State fits, but the way this Nittany Line team is rolling right now, the the confidence is extremely high for this undefeated team. So enjoy the game. Again, it's this Saturday at noon Eastern on the Big Ten Network. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by BetOnline. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.